This is the noise I hear inside my head. To me, it sounds like stormtroopers marching on loose gravel. Sometimes, I try to imagine what silence sounds like, but all I can hear is this. And sometimes, there's even a second sound, a high-pitched whine overlapping the original noise. It's called tinnitus, the experience of hearing sounds that don't have an external source. One in ten of us have it, one in a hundred are seriously affected by it. People hear noise, tones, rhythmic sounds. And sometimes, people try to translate the sounds into words. For example, Beethoven, who described his tinnitus in a letter, My ears whistle and buzz constantly day and night. I can say I am leading a wretched life. And spare a thought for Thomas Hardy's character, William Worm, who complained of People frying fish, fry, 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 all day long in my poor head. Marching stormtroopers don't seem so bad after all. My name is Orla. I want to find out what it's like for other people who have tinnitus. Why some people are affected really badly, while others aren't. And also to find out how people like me can live with it. So the modern word for tinnitus comes from the Latin, 19th century Latin, tinere, and it means to ring or to tinkle. That makes it sound like something nice. But it doesn't describe at all what tinnitus sufferers have to put up with every day. Then I have a left turn. I want to dig deeper into this mystery, so I go to visit Sean O'Reilly in Galway, whose life was turned upside down over the course of a week. Here's Sean's house. Hopefully he'll be at home. Right now, we're in Sean's sitting room and I ask him to describe the sound of his tinnitus. Okay, so I've got ringing in both ears and they're kind of different tones. So the one in my left ear is, I need to listen to it for a second now, the one in my left ear is E and the one in my right ear is E so it's almost like a musical scale. Sean is a manager in an online retail company and in 2016 his work took him to Berlin. The problem began on the way back. And I'd just come back from, I had to go to Berlin for work and I had a pretty bad kind of head cold and my, you know when you get your sinuses are all blocked up and everything. So I had that and I got off the plane and my ears wouldn't pop. You could feel pain, like pressure pushing out. It sounded, I felt like I was muffled in cotton wool when I was talking. It was only when I was on the bus back to Galway that they popped. But they were still very sore. It, it felt strange. It was a couple of days later, I, I still wasn't feeling well, and I kind of noticed things were kind of different. And when I sort of acknowledged it properly, that like, OK, this has been here actually since I got off the plane, and it's really quite loud. Actually, what's going on? What's this? I kind of realised that there was a noise in my head that really shouldn't be there. 
as any tonight of sufferer will tell you, it's worse at night or first thing in the morning when you get up. So you're in bed at night and there's literally nothing else you can hear about that. So, yeah, I started having panic attacks that night and, um, yeah, it was pretty awful. I went down to a doctor, not my doctor. He just asked me what was wrong and I said, I've got this ringing in my ears. I'm a bit upset by it. I'm not too sure what it is. I think it might be tinnitus. Is there anything that can be done to help me? Like, what's the story? And he was an older man and he didn't say anything. And he went onto his computer and I was watching him and he opened Google and he typed in tinnitus. And the tinnitus website appeared and he pressed print and he got up to his printer and took the sheet off and handed it to me and said, thanks very much, there's really nothing you can do, you're just going to have to man up. It's not only Sean that was told to man up. I talked to about 50 people, more than 50 people, um, while I was making this documentary. And the majority of them had a similar story to tell. You're told you have tinnitus, but you're not necessarily given any advice as to what to do about it. Let's stop here for a minute. This is a story all about tinnitus. So let's find out more about where tinnitus actually takes place. What I'd like to do is to take you on a tour of your ear and of your hearing brain. David Bagley is Professor of Hearing Sciences at University of Nottingham. Now, you know that sound is collected by the outer ear, drawn down your ear canal and reaches your eardrum. That's a thin membrane that collects sound and then plays it across a bony bridge in your middle ear. And the bony bridge has got three bones, which are the smallest bones in your body, hammer, anvil, stirrup bone. Now, sound then passes into the cochlea, which is a snail shell-like coil. It's about the size of a marrow-fat pea, and it's directly behind the pupil of your eye. Now, the job of the cochlea is to convert the vibration of sound into electric nerve energy that the brain can interpret. Now, sound then becomes a nerve message, a neural signal, and passes up into the hearing brain. The hearing brain is a network of structures that detect sound and analyse it. Now, one thing that's interesting to us is how tinnitus is selected by the brain as the most important thing to listen to. Back in Galway and after sleepless nights, Sean's tinnitus is firing on all cylinders. Then I went into work on Monday and um, I thought, oh, I'll be busy, it'll be a bit better. And, uh, of course, no. All I could hear was that noise. Um, I, had, I had a meeting, we had our monthly manager's meeting, and I was going, oh my God, what if I have a panic attack? in the meeting room and then I think I had some sort of a panic attack, worrying about having panic attacks and ran out to the car and sat in the car and I was pretty much hysterical. And I phoned my dad and I'm like, Dad, I can't cope anymore. My dad's a, like a retired army man, he's real solid and he's the man to go to if you have problems, like he's, he's never upset by nothing. So he's like, come on home, just tell work you've got to go, come on home. So, drove home in floods of tears and just... What really got to me was that I couldn't get away from it. 
it was always there. Like, normally if something's annoying you, like, I don't know, if there's a jackhammer on the street or there's a dog barking or something, you can walk out the door, you can walk off somewhere, get away from it. But I couldn't get away from this. And this was the thing that really, really set in on me, was that, OK, I can't actually get away from this. It, no matter where I go, it's always there. I can really relate to Sean's story and his frustration with tinnitus. About two years ago, I started to notice this sound in my head, the stormtroopers marching, and then it seemed to become a constant presence. I had a hearing test and found out that I have a slight hearing loss. And hearing loss is one of those things that can cause tinnitus. Those with hearing loss usually have a cause for their hearing loss. That could be being right beside a bomb that goes off. It could be going to a concert and it being too loud. Brendan Condon is ear, nose and throat consultant at St James's Hospital. Now, I think we've all experienced coming back from a disco or a gig and you hear this high-pitched tone. And that is a sign of some damage to your inner ear. But that, fortunately, is usually temporary. And we think that there's some damage to the hair cells in the inner ear that help generate sound. Now, the the person who goes out and gets a lot of loud noise at the disco comes back, they hear some tinnitus, they've probably done some little bit of damage to the hairs on the hair cells. That will usually recover and there's no long-term damage. But repetitively, if that continues to occur, that will kill those hair cells. If those hair cells die... Those neurons are no longer stimulating the auditory processing system all the way into the brain and all those little relay networks that they have to make to get up to the conscious level. And when the central parts of the brain lose that peripheral feed, they start spontaneously firing themselves. And hence you'll hear that tinnitus. And they were all telling me, oh, yeah, like, yeah, you'll be fine. It's just a noise. Like, well, do you have it? No. OK, well, then there you go. I'm reeling here from this. It's like a punch in the guts, like knocked over. When I'm thinking about my conversations with Sean and what he has to say about tinnitus, it makes me think about someone else, Jennifer Healy. And the reason I have such a passion about it is because I have it myself. And I have it since I was 19 years of age due to a car accident. So that was a head injury. Jennifer is a tinnitus therapist based in Galway. And her reaction to tinnitus is completely different. Well, I have two sounds. Now, my first sound would be, as I say, the station going off two years ago. Do you remember when RT1 or RT2 would go off the TV and there'd be that buzzing fuzziness? That is it. That's, I think, what, well, what I learned all those years ago is our white noise. Now, my second sound is, and this is horrible, this one, but we're great friends at the moment and um, for years. This sound is, you know, when you're getting your teeth cleaned, that drill, that dental drill, that's it. Yeah. When I tuned into that second sound, I was at home. And I nearly leapt six foot off the couch. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. Here's the second sound. And then what I did immediately is the therapist in me kicked in 
I went out to my kitchen. I took a few deep breaths. I said, this is okay. This is fine. And I did, I suppose, what I was intending and doing anyway. Started making lunches or whatever for my children or whatever. Brought down the anxiety a bit. Took a deep breath and heard it. And I said, oh, you're welcome. There you go now. You have a buddy. I love the way Jennifer has of dealing with her tinnitus, but some of us don't necessarily see it as a friend, more like a sworn enemy, particularly when it's really firing. And this was the case with Sean. The way I was thinking was like, okay, if someone lives till they're like 70 or 80, that means I've got 40 years left of this. And I was like, Dad, I can't deal with this anymore. Can we go to the hospital? Can we do something? There has to be someone I can talk to. So we went down to the hospital and, of course, it's not an emergency, obviously. And then to make things worse, I'd been on Google, Googling tinnitus and on the forums and all you ever see is, oh my God, tinnitus is the worst thing I've ever ever happened to me in my life. I can't go on. They're all negative because when people start to cope with it, they don't bother going back and typing the good stuff. So Googling wasn't a friend of mine. Help, I'm new here. It's relentless. Never, ever, ever. My tinnitus happens because of anxiety. I've got positive tinnitus. I've had 21 years of monster tinnitus. You might scoff at what upsets some person, but if I've learned anything from this, it's that everybody's different. At the hospital, Sean waited nine hours before he eventually saw a doctor. And she came round and she evaluated me and we were in a room and I suppose just talking to her just kind of finished me off altogether. She went outside to talk to one of her colleagues and and at this stage I was literally sitting in a corner rocking with my hands on my ears going, crying, it won't go away, it won't go away, it won't go away. And my dad came in and my dad saw me like that and I was so embarrassed. Oh my goodness. I never thought I could be brought down so low by something so quick. For people who don't have tinnitus, it's really hard for them to understand what it's like for those of us who do. I know because I've tried to explain it to people so many times. One of the things I wanted to do for the documentary was to recreate these tinnitus sounds. And I'm working with producer Kevin Brew in order to do this. Kevin also has tinnitus, by the way. You can hear that the sound is moving around a little bit. There's delays on the accents of the sound. We wanted to illustrate in sound that sometimes your ears feel full and we've put in a kind of a low drone to stand for that feeling. And also this kind of wild leaps in sound where something completely alien to your tinnitus experience starts playing just for a moment before going back to the tinnitus you're used to. You'll remember at the start of this documentary that I wanted to find out what types of tinnitus other people have. And to get some idea of that, Kevin and I set up a kind of audiology clinic in the RTE studios. We've invited along some people with tinnitus in the hope of matching the sounds they live with every day. My name is Tasso Papadopoulos. I'm all the way from Greece. And uh, I'm the lead audiologist for Deaf Ear here in Ireland, which we are a charitable organisation that help people with hearing loss. Tasso is our guide for a tinnitus matching workshop. We listen in on our volunteers, David, Tony, Ima and Darren, while they're waiting to be tested. 
How did it happen for you then? How did it come on for you? I was in a band when I was a teenager. I didn't play yeah. in headphones Same. when the rest of them did. Yeah. And I destroyed my ears. Same here. Did you ever wear the earplugs now? No, not until it was too late. Yeah. Yeah. What was your band? Um, um, it was like a heavy rock band. My husband is crazy about heavy metal. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. How he hasn't got back and tinnitus. <laughs> in fact, actually, I've seen... Um, a case actually on the internet in America. It was back in 1987 where this woman and her daughter went to some, I think it was a, like ACDC or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, their boat like left the gig with like a permanent hearing loss. And the judge says, well, like, you knew it was going to be loud, so, you know, that's a judgment. Like, yeah. you, you, they're entitled to definitely. You know? yeah. <laughs> Tasso explains to our volunteers what's about to happen. Okay. Now, we're going to try to match it. To match the tinnitus, we're going to try to match the frequency the intensity, how loud it is, to try to shape it. So, see you in a few minutes. Tasso invites them one at a time into a soundproof booth. So, if you sit here... And using his laptop, he plays sounds into the headphones worn by each volunteer. In this case, Darren. So, uh, I'm going to put the headphones over your ears. Let's go for it. So, can you hear that? Yep. Is it... Near? No, no. No? Is it more like this? No. Okay. Is it a hissing sound? It's more of a just a pure tone. So it's more more yeah. this type? Yeah. Okay. Just tell me where we are nearer to it then. Okay. Tasso works away like this until he has a match for each person. Emer? But it's almost like, you know, the light bulb filament. You know that sound if you get a light bulb and you shake it? Tony? It's a high-pitched squeal. Then Darren, who knows a little bit about his tone already from testing it online. It's kind of hard to find specifically the exact tone, but it's around 7,800 hertz. And David, who has a mixture of sounds. I have two sounds. I have a hissing sound. Yes. I would call it a high-pitched uh, white noise. OK. But then um, that's in my left ear all the time. But what I've been finding and is I've kind of like a fluttering noise. It's a noise almost like a little bit of water stuck in my ear or okay. it's kind of a movement in my ear. Yeah. We got to hear some of the sounds that people have in their heads, but there's something else I'm curious about. Why does tinnitus have such a catastrophic effect on some people, like it had on Sean? People with troublesome tinnitus, because of course it's possible to have tinnitus and not be troubled by it, but people with troublesome tinnitus are transfixed by it, held by it. They're alert, they're agitated, they're in deep distress. If someone lives till they're like 70 or 80, that means I've got 40 years left of this. They say, this is not like me. Why am I in such trouble with the tinnitus? But it's following you around, it's following me around. And to understand it, we have to think, why do we and other mammals hear in the way that we do? And the answer is that hearing is a danger-alerting protection sense. We needed one. We sleep a lot. We're really good to eat. We had a good number of predators and we needed a sense that would warn us that there was danger afoot. So hearing alerts us in a way that our other senses don't. 
Now this is immensely useful. It allows a householder to hear an intruder on the stairs in the night and to immediately become alert and ready for action. And that's a very quick and effective pathway in the brain. But then there's a problem. Because tinnitus can alert that pathway, giving us sensations of alarm, of fear and anxiety, and our hearing can become very acute, just like it does in times of danger, which of course makes us hear the tinnitus sound louder. And that's essentially the problem, that vicious circle between the sound sensation, the physical reaction, the emotional reaction back to the sound sensation. You can even hear some of that anxiety in our tinnitus clinic. You have what we call a white noise Mm -hmm. style of tinnitus. Mm -hmm. And your tinnitus is at 8 kilohertz, Uh which is quite a high frequency. Can we cut off the, the recording now, please? With the microphone off, Tasso tells Emer he's worried she might have an acoustic neuroma. That's a kind of tumour that sometimes causes tinnitus. She tells the others while Darren's test is going on in the background. That's probably nothing, but I have symptoms of an acoustic neuroma, the tumour, the he said, it's nothing to worry about, it's blah, blah. But he says, I want you to get your wax checked first. Mm. And it okay. could be just that. Yeah. That's why he, he said, I'm a little bit concerned with that, because that pressure in the back of the head, he said, that would match. Uh, so I said yeah. to him, I'm going to have horrific tinnitus tonight now, and I really feel it, because <laughs> I'll go not. into orbit. But sure, if, if anything, it, it, it spurs you into action and to do it, just to get a scan, you know? Well, yeah, he said that think the, they're the totally is, benign, yeah. yeah. But it right. could be just the wax, but he said, yeah. my hearing uh, in one ear is perfect, but so there's something about that it's unilateral or something. Yeah. And, uh, but he said they're totally benign. Yeah. <laughs> I kept saying that. And actually, if... If that's treated, it can get rid of the tinnitus altogether. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you, that's if it's bad enough to operate, and I wouldn't yeah. have anyone near me. <laughs> I'd no. live with tinnitus quicker, yeah. I think. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah, to hear that. <laughs> so yeah. 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 I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it will. A few weeks later, Emer goes back to Tasso and she gets the really good news that she doesn't have an acoustic neuroma. Our volunteers get a bit of a shock when they hear Darren's tinnitus coming through the headphones. I can hear that. I put them on the wrong time. Is that the sound he's hearing? Yeah, it's a bit high pitched. That's similar to mine, Art. Yeah. Try to get the level, all right? The intensity and the volume of it. I have very little to complain about. Not, I'm sure it's, as I say, it's, it's uh, one person's experience of it doesn't, ah, no, doesn't diminish that, another that person. It's, it's amazing you'd just get used to anything really, wouldn't yeah, you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
it, like that's why I think it affected me because I would be and I, I would have anxiety anyway you know it would be I wouldn't be I'd be more on the anxiety scale mm. I mean did mm. you go through a period where you felt absolutely devastated and upset and cried and yeah of course yeah because you need to do that too but there's when I, when I kind of realised that you know this is what it is mm. forever mm. Listening back to the workshop, I seem to have more questions than ever about the mystery of tinnitus. For some people, tinnitus gets worse the more they think about it or the more they concentrate on it. And I certainly see that in my case when I've been working on the documentary. Sometimes the stormtroopers get louder and they get faster. It is uh, a psychoacoustic effect. Yes, yes. And so it is all generated by our brain yes. with no external stimulus. The sound that you hear does not really exist outside of your uh, hearing system. We're back in Galway and further into Sean's terrible first week with tinnitus. He's in A&E, he's been talking to a doctor and he's deep into that vicious cycle of sound, stress and anxiety. The doctor come back and, like, no one was saying it. I wasn't saying it, no one was saying it, but the big kind of white elephant in the room was, was, are you going to do something to yourself? Because if you are, we can do something. We can maybe do something. I don't know what they would have done. Would I have gone into hospital or something? And I, I couldn't tell her that I wouldn't because I wasn't thinking about it, but I was just thinking that how can I live for a month like this? So I told her, no, I wasn't, and I wasn't, but I just didn't see that I could carry on with it. So I was just reeling. Even after Sean's first consultation, he was still traumatised by the constant noise in his head that he couldn't switch off. He had to get his father to bring him back to the hospital. There, he met a psychologist who prescribed medication for him. She said, maybe what you need in the short term is a bit of medication until you can get balanced again. And the medication will help you sleep. And because of the state I was in, she gave me a couple of, um, I think they were Xanax or something like that. So I took one of the tablets and they did. They didn't stop the tinnitus, but I didn't care as much about it. They were quite strong. It was, they really helped. Um, and then some of the antidepressants she gave me, I took one at night and they made me sleepy and I would fall asleep. And I was better. Now, what's not easy to understand is why some people hear it in a trivial fashion and other people hear it and it's intrusive and it's bothersome. People have been looking at the personality of the person. That is not to say that it's their fault, but it is to say that just in the same way, the same headache can cause one person to be barely troubled and another person to be laid up. Tinnitus seems to have the same variety of impact. But let me reiterate, there is no sense in which severe tinnitus is a person's fault. Not everyone has been as fortunate as Sean and myself and lots of other people who have had tinnitus. Welshman James Ivor Jones suffered from extremely severe tinnitus and he had this along with hyperacusis. Hyperacusis is where you have hypersensitivity to sound. Hello, my name's Wesley. Uh, I live in London, Row, North Wales, and I'm the son of James Ivor Jones, 
who took his life three years ago after he could no longer bear the suffering caused by tinnitus. Um, he left us some, some letters before he committed suicide and I'm going to be reading out a small piece which describes in his words what he was going through when uh, he was suffering tinnitus. So. I'm really struggling with tinnitus this last month. My ears feel raw and sensitive to ordinary sounds and the tinnitus has mostly moved up inside my head. Metal filings falling loudly onto a tin roof on a high-pitched continuous ringing, sizzling and a low-pitched drone in the background. It feels as though I'm wearing a headband which tingles around my temples. My feet feel hot and tingly through anxiety, I think, and I'm feeling sick with nausea. This is truly awful. As hard as I try to be positive and to get back on track, it just gets worse. Even talking irritates my ears. The audiologists say they don't think I have hyperacusis because it's very rare, and I hoped that they were right. But it's got so bad it seems like I have a hole in both sides of my head. Even a teaspoon clanking against the cup is painful. The tinnitus is bad enough on its own, and I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place. In addition, I feel this anxiety and I'm permanently on edge. I don't know if it's the medication or if those glands are overproducing, but it's really pulling me down. I feel like I'm being tortured and there is no cure. Please forgive me if I can't cope. I don't want to die or to leave or to hurt the people I love, but I cannot live with this progressive and increasingly difficult condition. I can't take any more. Please forgive me. By the end of December 2014, to the start of Jan 15, uh, that was when he really fell ill from it. And he couldn't go to work. Initially, I was, I was completely worried because obviously this sort of superhero guy to me suddenly was acting really out of character and not in a million years did I ever think that it would ever come to that you know he's such a such a headstrong guy and he's this this strong old school orthodox protective caring intelligent man and you know he was the rock of the family he kept everything together for us and it, it just made it all the more unexpected to to do what he did. And wh where did he work, Wesley? What kind of work did he do? He uh, he worked offshore. We, um, as a family, we've always been uh, connected to the sea. And he was a skipper on the offshore wind farm boats. Uh, the three of us, actually. <laughs> the three of us are my brother, me and my father, and for, for some time we all worked together, actually. Yeah, he was, he was a seaman. At the end of my conversation with Wesley, he asked to say three things. I guess to people that don't have tinnitus, I'd say to cherish the fact that you can listen to silence and that that's a choice. To anyone that knows someone with tinnitus, take them seriously 
be there for them. And anyone who does have tinnitus and who is thinking that they can't go on, just try and keep your hope alive. There's, there's people working on this, there's people researching it. You never know what tomorrow could bring. Just keep the hope alive. Some people, like Wesley's father, have been tragically affected by the absolute worst of tinnitus. Others, like Sean, have found a path to therapies that can help them cope. And there's also something else I've learned along the way, that this unrelenting sound is actually something we all have. It's just that some people don't hear it. So I'm currently doing this interview in a soundproof booth. Now, there is a well-known phenomenon that if you put somebody with who doesn't have tinnitus into a soundproof booth and you leave them there for maybe about eight hours, that a significant proportion of those people, maybe 70%, will start to hear tinnitus while they're in the soundproof booth. So with a complete exclusion of all external sound, we're probably starting to hear some of the normal electrical activity that's going on in our head. Um, and that's probably why it manifests as tinnitus. In fact, the amazing thing is, is that we don't hear so much noise in our head. There's blood being pumped around at 120 millimetres of mercury pressure. It's moving in a turbulent fashion. We move our necks and our jaws and all these muscles. And there's all this huge amount of neural firing, billions of neurons firing in the brain. And yet we hear none of that. Why is that? Almost certainly, again, because of this ability of the brain to suppress internal noise and internal sound. And that's probably why patients who have stress, anxiety, depression, they, they lose some of that ability for suppression of internal sound. And that's why they start to hear tinnitus, what would normally be inhibited in everybody else. 1% of the Irish population has catastrophic tinnitus, and that's about 48,000 people. So what can we do with all this anxiety? How can we control it? How can we learn to cope with tinnitus? This is just one of the sounds that Jennifer Healy hears in her head. Yet, she manages to cope with it to the extent that she now works as a tinnitus therapist. I call into the Galway branch of Deaf here to find out how Jennifer helped Sean. Come on, have a seat. Relax for a bit. I see people, and I've said it to a few people that I would have seen a couple of times. Lord, I remember when you came in first. Tinnitus had you around the neck. Tinnitus came in with you in a headlock. I'm looking at somebody sitting in front of me going, how the hell do I deal with this? It's driving me mad. It's affecting my marriage. I can't sleep. I just hate everything because I'm out in stress. This is real life. So over a six weeks program that we can look at the thoughts that the person has connected to this sound and see them for what they are, maybe untruths. And what happens is we get to the final point of habituation, where we live with our tinnitus. Some of the advice that I was given that would be really beneficial would be for mindfulness, being aware of the moment and being aware you're breathing and trying to calm yourself down and meditating and just generally trying to be more aware of yourself and things like that. And before, I wouldn't have been the sort of person that would have given any of that much credit at all. But at the state I was in with my tinnitus, I was like, I will give anything a go. Um, if you tell me to spin like a top, I'll do whatever you want. 
it was suggested that I get a little kind of a, a little kind of a stone or a little crystal or something. I suppose it's kind of like a, a kid with a little um, a teddy bear or a comforting blanket. Whenever things are getting stressful or whatever, you just get out the stone or whenever you're focusing on it a lot, you just hold the stone in your hand and what I, I just rub it in between my finger and it just grounds you. I never thought I'd be a person that would use something like that, but yeah, I, I live with my stone in my pocket now. It's Saturday morning and I'm here at the beach in Spiddle outside Galway. Uh, I call it Tina's Beach because this is where my friend Tina used to come swimming every summer. One of my favourite things in the world to do is listen to the sound of the ocean. There's just something about the sound of ocean waves that immediately makes me feel better and it also helps me forget about my tinnitus for a while. Being able to tune into your tinnitus sound and the sound of the ocean makes the brain, or kind of confuses the brain. It makes it think, okay, Sean isn't getting very agitated when he hears the ocean, so hence he's not getting agitated when he hears the tinnitus. She told me about um, an app on your phone that will play white noise. There's about 20 or 30 different sounds that that you can play. And what they do is they kind of negate out a little bit the tinnitus noise. We do say go for nature sounds first. But if that doesn't appease you or appeal to you, for me, it was a loud clicking clock, very loud. And why that was is it brought back uh, fond memories of my grandmother. And she had this very loud clock. And what happens is distraction then in the brain. Because when we're busy, we don't hear our tinnitus When I first started, I was listening to the grandfather clock. So I tried that for about two nights and it nearly drove me barmy. So this is the crickets chirping one that I listen to. So it's quite a lot of crickets, admittedly, but it really helps me. For about eight months now, it's been crickets at bedtime every single night. It's a small price to pay. Tinnitus came in with you in a headlock and now you're walking out as Sean, hi, I'm Sean and I have tinnitus but I'm living, I'm doing okay, I'm coping I wonder about the last piece of the tinnitus mystery is there somebody out there now that's going to find that magic switch that can turn off the noise in our heads Brendan Conlon is working with Neuromod devices to develop a new kind of treatment for tinnitus The device itself is about the size of an iPhone It has Bluetooth headphones that provide the acoustic stimulus to the ear, so the sound stimulation. And it has a tongue tip that is a little bit like a lollipop that has an electrical array on it. It's designed to create changes in the brain to reduce tinnitus. And the brain is quite plastic, and that's how we can acquire new skills. You could teach somebody to juggle. How can they now juggle where they could never do it before? Repetitive action they build new neural networks and they do something that seemed impossible before. We are good at making people feel better about tinnitus, at reducing its impact. We're not yet good at switching it off. And that has to be the vision. used to be the case, you'd go to a tinnitus conference and there'd be four of the people there who were already on your Christmas card list. Now there would be 400 and groups across the world working together with common cause to shut this thing down. I I never thought I would get to the stage where I will go, I come in from work and I've 
in the evening and I'll go, yeah, my tinnitus is pretty bad today. Oh, well. And just get on with my evening and go out and pet the dogs or cook the dinner or go off to my sister's and play with my niece and nephew and turn on my white noise app a little bit louder that night. That's all it means to me anymore when I have a bad day where it's just, pardon the pun, but a background noise. I mightn't be able to stop the sound, but I've learned how not to focus on it. And for me, this works most of the time. The stormtroopers march on for now, but hopefully not forever. <laughs> 